0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280. The Zone. When I say good morning, I mean good morning, Cougar fans, because it's good morning for you. It's it's not very good for the Utes or the Jazz after those losses last night. If you're a little down, I don't blame you. All three teams had a chance to win. All three teams, as often hits happens in basketball, hit flat stretches in the game. It didn't hurt BYU, but it crushed Utah and it crushed the Jazz. For the uh, Cougars, great start to the game. I thought they were going to have that thing wrapped up at halftime, and I was going to be able to focus on the Ute game, but they played. Uh, man, they just got on their heels there, and Pepperdine just roared right back into the game at the end of the first half. And I don't know what was said in the locker room, but bottle that, because BYU came out took control of the game. They win 107-80 and they were in charge the whole second half. The Utes, meanwhile, were really good until the middle of the second half. Well, they were really good defensively. They were uh, offensively, but, you know, young team on the road. If you're good enough to get in the lead, I'm not going to complain. And they had the lead and they gave up a 12-0 run and that 40-31 to advantage was gone. And then in the final minute, they got outscored 6-0. Missed three free throws in the final four minutes. Um... They had a crazy play where Timmy Allen picked up his dribble behind the backboard and tried to go Larry Bird and throw it over the backboard and in and hit the back of the backboard. That was ugly. Just not enough poise on the road in a close game at the end. They're up 52-50 with a minute to go and they lose 56-52. And for the Jazz, two and a half good quarters. They had a six or seven point lead there. They only gave up 43 points in the first half after giving up 126-127. That was great. They thought, okay, they're getting it together here. But on a weird night when Donovan Mitchell- his first nine shots and didn't score until the fourth quarter and finished with four points finally bit the Jazz. Denver got hot late third, early fourth and they flipped that game in a heartbeat. I think it was a 13-0 run 26-6 and it got the Jazz and that ended up being the difference in the game. Jordan Clarkson, give him credit, he did everything he could down the stretch to shoot the Jazz back into the game. He was so hot. It was absolutely incredible, but it wasn't enough. So the Jazz get beat. We'll get into those games more a little later as the Jazz lose that one, 106-100, to 100, the, uh, the final score. Right now, though, we're going to talk a little football. Uh, P. of looking ahead to the Super Bowl. But first, we're going to hear from Chad Lewis. Played for Andy Reid. Uh, has some really interesting things to say about Andy and why he is so popular in the NFL and why so many people are rooting for him now. We'll get to Chad next. Stay with us.
1: From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ,
0: PK, it's time to talk Super Bowl with the former Cougar, the former Philadelphia Eagle, Chad Lewis. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for 99.99 visit the Sprint store nearest you Chad good morning
2: Yo what's up how's it going this morning
0: it is going well. I'm curious if you're, uh, you know, when you get to this point every year, do the NFL playoff memories with the Eagles come flooding back? Or is it different this year? Because Andy Reid's right in the middle of it going to the Super Bowl, and maybe this year's a little different than most years, and you really got the memories to, uh, to uh, wade through.
2: It's always exciting. I always follow, but this year is a lot more special. Um, the fact that Andy's back in the Super Bowl, and Danny's there, and half of Andy's staff are my old coaches, and it's just uh, really exciting. Then Fred on the other side, so it's uh, <laughs> this is really cool. Great Super Bowl, a couple weeks here.
3: Yeah, we had you, I remember, a couple of years back when the Eagles were there, and obviously that was your team, your primary team anyway, and you were way excited, and if I remember correctly, you went back there and, and were immersed in all that. How does this compare to that?
2: This well, the Eagles, that was something special because it was the Eagles' first Super Bowl victory. It was against a team that beat us in the Super Bowl, the Patriots, and even with Tom Brady having the ball in his hands at the end of the game, they still, they found a way to win it, the Philly Special. Um, Doug Peterson, my former quarterback and good friend, as the head coach, Deuce Daly, former teammate, um, I was back there for that one, and that was that was incredible. This is this is similar because, you know, my, my love for Andy Reid, the respect that I have for him, the really the gift that he's been in my life as a coach for seven years, as a mentor for all these years, as a friend, someone I can talk to at any time he's, for, for help, for advice. It's I'm just so pumped for him, and I want him to win it.
0: So what has he got that he's gotten so many teams to conference finals now for the second time to the uh, Super Bowl? What What is it?
2: Well, every Fortune 500, every team, every organization is trying to build a winning culture. It's difficult. How do you do that? Um, every team is trying to build team chemistry in a way that you can be successful both on the field and off the field. And he's got this Lavelle-like, Holmgren-like ability to change organizations. He did it with the Eagles. He's done it now with the Chiefs. And if you recall, both those organizations were in quite a bit of chaos before he got there. And he's got this leveling influence. He's got this balance and perspective about him. He's He's really a normal, real guy. There's nothing about him that's phony. Um, he doesn't have fake motivation. He's not like a like an energy drink dude. However, I've never seen anyone work hours like him. I mean, I, I think John Gruden would be the only one that would compare. And so he puts in the time. But it's not just the time. He puts in the love, like... He genuinely loves his players. He gathers people around him that he wants to be with and that he believes in. And the same thing with his staff. Like, he enjoys being around his staff. He loves those guys. He never toots his own horn. You'll notice after every loss, what does he say at the podium? He says, hey, this one's on me. I didn't have my guys ready. That's uh, Just blame me. And if, after every win, he says, man, my guys did such a great job. Give them all the credit. And he's humble in victory. He's gracious in defeat. He's got this entire package together. That's why the football world right now is talking so much about him. And, and people really respect him.
3: So people who know, and you being one of them, say he is a Lavelle Edwards clone and you've already brought up Coach Edwards' name. Uh, how did that come to be, do you know?
2: I think one way it came to be, the first way is he came here and played for Lavelle. Andy wanted to be a doctor out of BYU, and Lavelle talked to him and said, Andy, I think you'd be a great coach. And when, an- and when Lavelle would say stuff like that to you, it was, he had an inspiring effect, because you knew he wasn't just throwing words or blowing smoke, he was, he was a genuine guy too. And so that was his first experience with Lavelle. And then he became a GA here at BYU for a year, so he actually learned and tutored from Lavelle. And then he went to San Francisco State and started his own coaching life. And with that came constant communication with Lavelle. And all through his coaching career, he would talk to Lavelle every week. They'd talk on the phone. Lavelle would write him notes. Um, So even up until Lavelle passed away, they talked every week. And so that love, that tutoring, that mentorship – that was cool. My first Super Bowl, we, I just t- tore my Liz Frank in the NFC Championship game. So I'm at the Super Bowl, but I have two screws in my foot. I'm not playing. And the night we check in to Jacksonville, Lavelle and Patty are Andy's guests for the week at the Super Bowl. And so as our team gets into the hotel, we go to the first dinner and so sitting at the table, it's my wife, Michelle, and I, Andy and Tammy, Rod Dauhauer, our old offensive coordinator, and his wife, and Patty and Lavelle. And that was like one of the coolest dinners. I wanted to just open my mind and my eyes and record that every conversation and just watch Lavelle and Andy just talk and reminisce and smile and I wish every football fan could have been at that table with me because it was it was really cool.
0: So, as you watch Andy progress, how does he connect with so many people? How do you how do you get the trust cuz you you've done a lot of interviews with us on radio, you've done stuff on TV and all that. You always talk about how, you know, a locker room, it's just got all these personalities from all these backgrounds. How do you have the, the time and the energy to dial into so many of them? Because when you read the stories about Andy, so many people have that
2: tie to him. It's communication, but it's not just communication. It's honest communication. So when he talks to the media, he's, he's straight up. He's not, not trying to hide anything. He's not trying to act better than he is. He's not trying to overpromote his program. He's just straight up. When he talks with players, it's the same way. He just he gives it to you raw and real. He lets you know what you need to improve. He lets you know what he fully expects. And then, like a dad or like someone you revere, he's able to speak to you in a way that helps inspire you to get there. This is what I expect. And then he follows it up with his own encouraging words and his own self-deprecating laugh to where, Come hell or high water, you're going to do it, and you're going to do it for him. And you know he believes in you. And then when I say communication, I mean currently he's on his phone. Like he's texting his guys 50 times a night. When he told me that a couple years ago, it just really caught me by surprise because he's always on. But the thing about him is it doesn't wear him out. He's the type of person – that because he loves people, that communication gives him energy and it drives him forward instead of wearing him out. Um, and I think the guys on the team appreciate that their coach is so touchable. If they have an issue, they can talk to him. He's, he's very responsive. And so they know that he, he actually does care about them. Um, and, and through the years, the times that – there's been many times when I've needed him and just a text or a phone call. And he's, he's very available to talk through things. And that just, that's what's so endearing about him as a person, as a friend, as a coach, as a leader. So, I mean, you should ask Clark Hunt, the owner of the Chiefs, what do you think? And he'd say, are you kidding me? I've been doing this for a long time. And he's the best. That's what he'd say.
3: So Chad, we know Although it wasn't necessarily talked about a lot, Andy Reid has had some uh, serious personal tragedy in his life with his children. And I know with me, uh, and I have had some situations, and I just wallow in self-pity. He just, at least from the public perspective, kept right on going uh, how difficult was that if you know and you'd want to share was it for him was he able to keep going after having to endure such extreme difficulty
2: it was hard for him because it was so public you know he he would have much rather dealt with those challenging issues in private and to have it all laid out in the papers and radios was, was really difficult for him and even though he had a tough face it was, he's a sensitive guy, too, and it hurt, and it was hard. And what drove him was his love for his family, starting with Tammy and then all of his kids. And, and what was cool was in the middle of that chaos, he talked to Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, and he said, I need, my, my kids need my full attention right now. So I think for 39, 40 days, he left took a leave of absence from the Eagles as the head coach with his staff full approval and said, Andy, take care of business. And he spent time, every ounce of his time, every (laughs) just all the love he had on Garrett and letting him know, I am with you. We're going through this together. You are not alone. And that was touching for all of us that were around him. And, you know, what's it? When I wrote my book, Surround Yourself with Greatness, I called Andy, and we had a we had a conversation that I, it was because of my book, because of our experience and friendship, I asked him questions that I would not normally have asked. They were sensitive questions like, Andy, do you feel like the amount of time that you spend at work is one of the reasons why... You know, Garrett had some issues and problems, and he's, you know, he was just so authentic by saying, yeah, I've thought about that a lot, you know, and I wondered, man, was it my fault that I was at work so much, and being a head coach, and driving, and he said, coming back to your book, the title of your book, Surround Yourself with Greatness, he said, I just, I, I tell you what, I saw the influence that certain friends had on my, my boys, and yes, I was working, but he always carved out time to be with them, go home, have breakfast with them and have them there on the sidelines and during the week. But he said it was, it was some people that they started hanging around that he saw a sharp, rapid, immediate decline. And so then he spoke to the message of the book that it is so important for us to be around good people. And just to have that real conversation with him to understand that he felt that pain, but at the same time, it was his love that drove everything that made me appreciate him and and feel a lot more empathy for what he was going through.
0: You know, because as you say, so much of this was so public. A lot of us, uh, you know, and I've never met Andy. I've never talked to him on the phone or anything. uh, But I know so many people like you who speak so highly of him. So I've always been curious. when I have a chance to read something. There's been a lot to read because a lot of this has been out there publicly. And in the lead up to the game, you find out how many people want him to have the Super Bowl. Not that he needs it. He's won so many games and touched so many lives. That's the important thing. But still, it's competition. The game's right in front of you. So win it and hoist the trophy. And they want it for That's him. Right. They want it for him. And they want it for him really bad. And I, I've read those quotes from a lot of people. And I'm curious if you think do they have the team to make it happen? Are the Niners well, going to be able to run the ball and play keep away and keep Mahomes on the sideline and win the game?
2: Here's what I would say first when you meet him, he's going to be authentic. He's going to treat you with class and respect. He's not, going to, he's not going to act like anything he's not. And you're going to come away going, wow, <laughs> he was, what a cool guy. So that, that's going to be your impression. And if it's different than that, I'm buying you dinner <laughs> anywhere you want. Name the place. Okay. Number two, can they do it? Do they have the horses to do it? They certainly do. They've got the speed everywhere, but so does the 49ers. So this is going to be a classic Super Bowl. It's any of these teams can strike fast, strike hard and go the distance at any time. So no lead is safe in this game. Um I think it will be high scoring even with, you know, you got the best defense in football. I think the ability for the Chiefs to overcome some, some large deficits in the playoffs, you know, twenty four to zero, that was unprecedented. No one had ever done that before. And for Mahomes to just kind of laugh and be like, hey, let's go. Let's start making the plays, you know. And so they, they have speed at every position. So do the 49ers. And that's one of the reasons why all of us are so excited for this game, just to see these two teams go at it.
3: So on a personal note, Chad, one of your daughters married into a family has a father-in-law who's a real good friend of mine. I'm not sure why she did that. They're a real screwed-up family, but we won't get into that. Um uh, <laughs> I know I've known them for 30 years, and I'm real tight with them, as you know. Uh, And then speaking of father-in-laws, you are the father-in-law of Matt Bushman, but you're also a BYU guy. So the Cougars really needed Matt Bushman to come back because he's an excellent player and can very well argue easily that he's their best returning receiver at tight end. So how did you balance that role of being an NFL guy with all these years of experience, literally playing the same position that you played, to tell Matt as far as guide him what to do in terms of returning, knowing that, man, he can really help the team that I want to see win?
2: <laughs> that's, that's a great question. Um, two answers. Number one, with everything that happened with Kobe Bryant this week and how cool he was expressing his love for his girls, I would say... That I'm also a father of girls. I have two two girls who I love so much, and this, this week has, has helped me reflect on the gift it is to be a dad more. And so, yeah, those two girls, I would like to have been a better dad, but I, I want them to know that I love them like crazy and then Matt Bushman, you know, he's he's a he's a gifted player, he's a hard worker, he's a humble guy. He doesn't talk smack to anyone. He just puts his nose down and goes to work. And then he has gifts that you can't teach. He has the ability like Cody Hoffman to catch the ball in traffic. He has speed like great tight ends. Like I see Kelsey and Kittle. I mean, these guys have really nice speed and he's got that speed so he's got he's got a great package to make plays and as it comes to the NFL we talked a lot about the pros and cons what's what's good about going pro right now what's good about and i i did not want to make the decision for him we just talked about everything he wanted to talk about and i think at the end of the day he felt like i've got unfinished business here at BYU there's there's a lot i want to do a lot i want to prove and a lot i want to improve and so he made the decision to come back and he's he's a hundred percent on that. There's no there's no wishing, there's no regretting. He's he's pumped to be here and I can't wait to see what he does for his senior year. Still got your golf
0: tournament going, Chad?
2: Yep. This will be number fourteen golf tournament to raise funds to fight and eradicate cystic fibrosis. And we've done it up at promontory for the last several years and put a great group together it's it's always this the first week in june and now that i know so many friends that have cystic fibrosis i'm just very grateful to be a part of it and one day we'll have a golf tournament to celebrate the fact that there ain't no more cystic fibrosis that's my that's my vision
3: all right. Well, if your younger daughter wants to know how to handle that Pollard family, just have her give me a call because I can put them in line <laughs> like
2: that. All right? That's so great. Oh, I love them. Chad is such a great son-in-law. I'm just, I could not be more thrilled. Well, I love the
3: children them. are fine. It's the parents I think that are.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Turn High the knife. Turn the knife, PK. Turn <laughs> They're the so knife. great. Yeah, we love them. So grateful.
0: The kids are great. The parents are high maintenance. They are. <laughs> That's Words to live by right there. All right. Well, they can't defend themselves, so maybe we should end this before PK uh, you know, gets another shot. I'll get a text in. here any minute. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs>
2: the interview,
0: it's slipping away. It's slipping. It is. All right, Chad, thanks for joining us. Thanks for giving us a few minutes, and we'll talk to you again. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. There's Chad Lewis. When we come back, PK and I look ahead to the Super Bowl. Where did football go? What happened? What do you mean, where did it go? Well, it just seems like a bigger break. Is that because we're paying so much attention to the Jazz?
3: I think the Jazz and the Kobe Bryant thing uh, really obviously are dominating or have been dominating our attention. And I think we're used to the two weeks now. There was a time that they stopped that, and then they went back to it. So I think we're used to the two weeks. And I think that the news cycle with the Kobe Bryant thing on Sunday morning – just dominated, obviously Sunday, obviously Monday, and certainly well into Tuesday, and it's not like there any of us are over it, uh, and obviously his family and the families of those folks who perished, uh, it's obviously forever altered, and I don't know they'll ever get over it, so that was such a huge, huge story, because of the level of celebrity and talent and all the things that he combined that I think in my mind... Got us away from thinking about the Super Bowl as early as we did.
0: You know, the uh, when we were planning the Sunday Night Show, you know, we had a whole plan, and then obviously everything changed. And we even had an interview taped and ready to go, which wasn't going to work. And we dropped that, and we rescheduled it. And we're doing it, and, you know, you're getting different stuff come in. You know, the um, LeBron at the airport, and the moment of silence at the Knicks game. And then jazz players tweeting out the jazz issue statement. Uh, We had the the video that they'd used for uh, Kobe's last appearance here in Utah. We had all these elements, and when you look at them, you're like, wow, we are doing a lot of time. The, The show is so local. It's just, it's jazz, huge cougars. There's some Aggies, there's some Wildcats, maybe there's some RSL. It's jazz, huge cougars, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it just, and so, looking at the rundown. It seemed like the right thing to do, and then I totally sang guessed myself, and there's, you know, four of us working on the show on a Sunday. In what way? And... Is this the right thing to do? We're going. We're just Kobe? going all in on all this Kobe stuff. Yeah. And granted, some of it's jazz stuff. What did each one of these players Absolutely. tweet yeah. out? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's Mitchell, right. and it was Gobert. There was a statement from the jazz. Mike Conley tweeted out, you know, on and on. So it did have a local twist to it that you wouldn't get by watching ESPN. Kobe had
3: three things going on for him in that regard. Yeah. He was international, he was national, and he was local no matter right. where you were. Yeah,
0: right. And so did it, and then I second-guessed myself somewhere around 8 o'clock. Are we doing the right thing? Tim Peterson has been in the show forever. This is, this is going to be great. It's going to be awful, but it's going to be, you know, it's an awful it's still, story. Well, it's the
3: right thing to do.
0: Right. And so, and he's like, calm down. It's fine. Yeah. And uh, you know don't second guess yourself. Just, we'll, we'll edit it. We'll write it. and Let's get on with it. And, uh, and then the ratings come out the next day. And we do it. And while we were doing it, um, you know, you go to a commercial break after the A block. And, and you usually know if you did it right, it's 17 minutes, but it feels like seven. It just blows by. It's like your segment, the same thing. It'll be half the... If we're doing eight minutes with you or ten minutes with you, if it's good, it feels like four or five. That's just... The time blows by because you're caught up in what you're doing. I understand. And so... Both in the break, there's a there's a break right before eleven o'clock, and there was another one after you at about eleven fifteen. And I walked in the control room both times and said, "It I don't know how people are reacting to all this, but it does." You're right, Tim. It does feel good. And he he's just like, "You got to quit being so neurotic." <laughs> Tim was just shutting me down. And sure enough, next day the ratings come out, and you could see how many people in Utah. The Kobe story was everything to them because it wasn't just us. You know, other stations did a lot and other stations had good ratings too. A lot of people came to the TV that night because they're still processing all this info and all these memories and all these feelings. Yes. You know, it really was to your point about maybe that's why the Super Bowl feels weird this year. It was so important to so many people.
3: A couple of things I want to add to that, interestingly enough, and it just amplifies what you just said is that I got a friend uh, who lives in St. George and he texted me. Mm-hmm. He really he, he texted me. I so he, I saw it Monday morning when I woke up. He said, "I appreciate your commentary on uh, Kobe Bryant. That was excellent." And that's like the first time he's ever done that. Mm-hmm. And then Monday, I go home after the show, and my wife is there, and she said, "Hey, I stayed up and watched the show. I watched you." And a lot of times she goes to bed, and she said, "I was working on something, and I thought, oh, it's only fifteen minutes away. I'll just watch it." And she said, I was surprised that, because I hadn't told her ahead of time, and I didn't know because I usually just key off you. Um, She said, I was surprised that you went Kobe the whole time. Mm -hmm. And without me prompting, Mm -hmm. she said, it seems so natural. It didn't seem like you were running out of stuff to say and you were just trying to fill in a lot of time period. That didn't seem to be the case. It seemed like both of you had stuff to say, so the time frame, which totally, it's ironic that you say this, and you've told me this before. I know that's your philosophy, and obviously you know television, so I just say, yes, sir, when it comes to you and television, and I actually say, yes, sir, to you And it comes to a lot of things. In Except business. between 6 and 10 a.m. Well, and then I say, no, sir. <laughs> right. But the business aspect and, and a lot of life philosophies, yeah. I just say, yes, sir, a little peek behind the curtain. And it's paid off for me for a number of years, by PK, the way. PK, you'll get a big uh, raise when you uh, have leverage. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> nothing y- else matters. You know, yes, sir. And, there's, and I'm, we can list 25 examples off top of my head. And so she said exactly what you just said. It didn't seem like you were forcing it, and it seemed like it was the right thing to do and it seemed like it was only four or five minutes which is ironic but when she said that I knew that's what you have said many times over and so she felt the exact same way now she's just a I'm, no, I don't want to say just, but she's a high school teacher and doesn't really have any aspect about television and has no idea about but it. But she
0: still has a feel for it nonetheless. Right, and so
3: you said that, and it's ex- the exact same thing that she had said to me Monday around uh, noon, noon when I went home on Monday. was you know, funny.
0: I think it's just a natural human thing. I think, uh, you know, as a teacher, she probably has an excellent sense of a class period, and I think the same thing happens when you're uh, when you're in a class for an hour, 50 minutes, whatever it is. You know, if if the lesson, the discussion, uh, whatever, the P, you know, the game, whatever, if it's going well, it seems like it's over like that. Man, when I was a kid, 20 minutes of recess seemed like five. (laughs) Some, Some, you know, some torturous math or science or whatever thing that wasn't going well oh that, that lasted for two hours but really it lasted for half an hour and, and y'all
3: can back me up on this <laughs> oh boy that when you tell a story, story there even it if it's five it feels like Wait, 45 thanksy well,
0: yeah, we're, we're in the six to ten window there's no yes sir going on now
3: well, we're just speaking truth, right? Uh-huh. Am yeah, I right, Yach? Right. When, when he tells a story, you like you look at your watch and you think, oh boy, if I'm standing, I better sit. Now, if you end up lying down, then you know it's a really long story. <laughs>
0: you passed out.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: So the interesting thing about this Super Bowl is that even though I, it feels weird and probably a lot of it is the Kobe stuff and some of it is certainly the jazz and how much attention we're playing to them, this Super Bowl – uh Because it's teams from the AFC West and the NFC West, and because my family was divided between Charger fans and 49er fans growing up, I feel like this is a Super Bowl I have more buy-in for. And I think for some people, it may be kind of like, Kansas City doesn't have that real tradition, but living here... I don't know Andy Reid. I've never met Andy Reid. I've never interviewed Andy Reid. I've never spoken to Andy Reid. But I know so many people who talk about Andy Reid in just reverential tones. I mean, there's a bunch of people at BYU who think, you know, Andy Reid is it. And I've got no interaction to know anything. I just, you know, hear these stories. But as a football fan, I think he's a great story because he's been so good for so long. And he's been so close to the big prize so many times. Anytime there's that story, it's like, well, are they finally going to grab the brass ring? Are they finally going to break through? And so, I think that's a great story. I think Mahomes is wildly entertaining. He's a little different. I think he's a little more um, probably polished, uh, but he's very Brett Favish to me. Favre was just such a wild card. I think Mahomes does a better job of staying away from the big mistake. Um, with Favre, you just never knew. But, man, he was entertaining to watch. Like, I'll watch Mahomes. There are a bunch of good young quarterbacks who are exciting, but I think he's my favorite. Um, he's more carefree and crazier than Russell Wilson. I think Wilson's really buttoned up, plays the percentages very well. Haven't, you know, we, we don't cover him, but I bet if we buy the in on, he'd talk about Russell Wilson's football IQ. It seems like that's how he plays the game.
3: Yeah, I think Russell Wilson is the best making something out of nothing. Mm-hmm.
0: I think Mahomes he's not young, is he's awfully 31. good at that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you're right. Uh, but see, he's young compared to the guys who've been on the stage forever with Peyton and Eli just leaving, Brady's still there, Roethlisberger. I think he was a generation younger than that, but you're right, he's not young. Um, very much in his prime. Uh, Houston and Baltimore have good quarterbacks, and I'd watch them. But to me, of... The new generation of guys, Mahomes, the most exciting. So I'm happy he's on the big stage. I can watch him all day long. And then for San Francisco, I mean, I have family who's season ticket holders. And uh, both on my wife's side of the family and my mom's side of the family.
3: Tons oh, so you of, can come for money then. Cause I, I have nobody that uh, has season tickets in my family. Yeah, Couldn't afford them. Well, college professor. <laughs> oh, geez, No wonder why you're snooty. <laughs> Janitor. College professor.
0: My okay. uncle. My uncle did cancer research until he retired. Hopefully he didn't die of cancer. He is very much alive. <laughs> He's very much
3: alive. And he still has him. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. I didn't know if they got outpriced when they moved to the new stadium and all the stuff that goes into that. I think they would... Okay, he
0: he's grew up in Pal- up. he grew up in Palo Alto when it was country. His he is, it is rock and roll now. He is uh, <laughs> No, it's all expensive homes. He is uh, full-blooded Italian. It's the same homes. He's full, they just got more expensive. <laughs> he's No, no, it was open country. It's
3: but that's, it's an older area.
0: A lot of it is, yes. Yeah. And then there's some newer stuff that's filled in. Um, he uh, he's full-blooded Italian. He's Which is interesting he's because he's loud, passionate about sports. You probably get along very well. I was rock and roll,
3: and now I'm, I'm country. country. Yeah, you <laughs> so i So country, yeah. You were a little more Donnie, a little <laughs> less Marie. <laughs> it was all country. That was funny. You got to admit that. Sure. Oh, geez. So <laughs> jealous. Come on. Now that
0: was funny, Yach. Come you got to admit that. Yocks
3: with me. Come on. You're so dismissive yeah, I know. of brilliance. That's something I'll never <laughs> understand. <laughs> well, not of my own, just yours. I'm know, good with Yach's brilliance. Yeah, as rare as it is, but nevertheless. <laughs> oh, no, that was funny.
0: Now we found something we agree on. Let's laugh at yak. That's more fun. Yak.
3: <laughs> well, the Niners, they're not the franchise, but they're an historic franchise in this league in terms of success. There's no doubt about it. You know, they had a little bit of success back when, but the Bill Walsh era was the best of times, and I include George Seifert in that era. And then they went through some struggles, but now they're obviously back. And as long as you're not down for, forever, like it seems like the Jets have been down forever. and Because uh, they have been, 51 or, years since they went to a Super Bowl. I
0: saw a list because I was looking it up because the Chiefs haven't been there forever. This is 50 years for the Chiefs.
3: And it's 151 yeah, for the Jets on that status. What do you mean? Of being a legendary franchise. Right. Nor the Jets.
0: They and, had they uh, had a moment that
3: was massive. But it was the biggest moment. Right. It and then led nothing. to the merger. And then nothing. But it was so significant. It was, and maybe the Jets isn't isn't a good example. No, it is but good example but in that it was so prominent and yeah. so moving and so impactful all these years later. And, you know, they had a little bit. Parcells was good, but and they've had a moment or two, but they haven't sustained it. I don't think you need to have uh, all sorts of consistency like I would say Pittsburgh has had. And New England, obviously, under Belichick, has just been off the charts awesome. But you got to well, put the Niners right. next to that group, if not in that group. Yeah,
0: yeah. The uh, – the- Patriots and the Steelers have six Super Bowl wins, and that's the record. And if the Niners win this game, they'll have six and be tied. They're one back. They're sitting on five with Dallas.
3: Yeah, and you've got to put Dallas, even when they suck. And, and the thing
0: is that it's not just the wins. It's also the Super Bowl appearances. Same four of the big four. Patriots 11, Steelers and Cowboys have been to eight, and the Niners have been to seven. Broncos have been to eight. They're right up there.
3: Boy, I can't even recall the Niners losing Super Bowls.
0: Well, they only lost uh, one. That's why you don't remember them. But Kaepernick.
3: They had the fourth day. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. The lights
0: on the the Super Bowl where the lights went out in New Orleans. Thank you. The game had the Uh, delay. Who's who's that? On the night when the lights went out in Georgia. Who
3: sings that? Eddie
0: Rabbit, maybe? No, it's a woman, isn't it? I don't remember. I'm guessing, anyway. Just trying to. You can look that up. I think that's a female. Keep, look it up. That'll keep you busy during the next I break. won't look
3: it up, but uh, you, because you will. I know you will. The The night that the lights went out in Georgia, I think is a female, but I couldn't tell you who. Barbara Mandrell. Are you guessing or do you know? I'm guessing. I don't know. <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you. Very well could be. I don't know. No, I think uh, you, uh, Eddie Rabbit is, I love the rainy nights. Oh, wrong one. Eddie Rabbit was a Jersey guy, if I remember correctly. Uh but the the nights the, the the night that the lights went out in Georgia, uh, it seems to me that's a
0: feedback. Reba McIntyre. No, Reba McIntyre. The night the lights went out in Georgia. YouTube, watch. I mean, okay, I'm not that, going that, to. Okay, but
3: I could find Vicky Lawrence
0: also sang Vick, it. Yes,
3: Vicky Lawrence. That's it. Okay. I mean, there's a bunch of people who sang it. Okay. Uh, Yak,
0: you ever sing it? Are you on that list? Yes,
3: Jacob C. Hatch. <laughs> 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 I mean, Oh, let it be. Uh, oh, uh, let it be. The Doobie Brothers. <laughs> they, they tend to cover songs. Yeah. Vicky Lawrence. I'm not even sure who Vicky Lawrence is, but nevertheless. Let's move on. She's saying. I'd
0: rather talk about the Super
3: Bowl. So the Niners have had overwhelming success. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to lose. I th- and the reason why I think they're going to lose is the reason you already said. Mahomes. Well, I think this is his time
0: and he's going to make something out of nothing with the game on the line. Because the Niners' defense is excellent. Mm -hmm. This is an excellent test for him. And I think that if you want to go specifically into what makes a defense great and to pull an upset, I think we can look at the Giants beating the Patriots twice, and and then you can just listen to any of the local college football coaches talk about it. I'm sure Kyle's gone on about it forever. Okay. Four-man pass rush. When your front four can get to the quarterback and disrupt the play, and you don't have to blitz a fifth or sixth guy, It's way easier to play defense. It's a game changer. And I think the Niners' front four is very good at generating pressure without any help blitzing a linebacker, safety corner, whoever.
3: But one of the other reasons why the Giants beat the Patriots is Eli Manning. Yep. And I'm not putting Jimmy G on On Eli Manning's level. No. So I think that Mahomes, I don't know that he's going to pull something out of nothing because I think they may have something going on. And he just may be doing what he does because he seems like he is at the top of his game and he's got some weapons around him and they know how to use it. Reed is a great offensive mind. We know that. So you factor all these things into it. And this is just my guess, is that I'm thinking that the Chiefs prevail. I don't care. I mean, I haven't. Very rarely at the NFL level do I care i'm I, I don't know that I've ever been to into a Super Bowl more than I've been to any other Super Bowl in terms of interest because I don't have a team and I don't need an angle because the Super Bowl is the angle and so the angle takes care of itself for me I've oh I always find intrigue and excitement in the Super Bowl. Pretty much, no matter who's going, unless you have unless an you early know, blowout or the say. line is outrageous. Yeah. What the you know the Steve Young thing? It was a big blowout against the Chiefs. But I barely lived here at the time. The, the, Chargers. the Chargers, excuse me, uh, the AFC West. But I was already into Steve Young because I'd been here three or four years, and my gosh. You know, Steve Young around here, walks on water, is the biggest thing ever. And so that generated interest. So even though the game was a blowout, the the game kept my interest, at least going into it for the start, to see Steve Young be all that. And and would he throw six T D passes? Was that what it was? Yeah. But that was a big line. Wasn't it like eighteen or something? Yep. Yeah. So what's the line here? Chiefs, two, three, one. Somewhere now. Uh,
0: it's bounced around, but yeah, that was it. Is it opened? Uh, it opened depending on where you looked, to like a pick 'em or a one point right. game. Yeah, I mean it's
3: toss up. So my interest is, is very very high, just because of the fact that bears. And, these are for whatever good reason
0: teams. the the bears when they played the uh, the colts. I remember that was one where I was kind of like eh. I mean, you're right, it's a Super Bowl, so I watch really? it. But among Super Bowls, like then you got New England going for an undefeated season. I'm all aboard. Oh, this is history. I want to see this. They didn't get it, but it was still worth seeing. Uh, the now, New- I, was,
3: I was amped up for Bart Starr and Len Dawson. Back
0: in the day.
3: I don't even remember it. I don't either. it's
0: <laughs> Before my time, sorry. Can't help you
3: there. Who was Garo uh, uh, uh Dolphins th- f- kicker. Tried to throw a pass. Was uh-huh. it Washington?
0: And the Dolphins were trying to go undefeated, and they were up 14 nothing. Is that what it was? They were going to win the game, and then they were kicking a field goal for 17 that would have just icing on the cake in the fourth quarter. And he picked it up and tried to throw a pass, and it slipped out of his hand. It's
3: amazing to me that you can remember that.
0: And Mike, bet the Dolphins were my team. For, cause Dolphins? The Chargers, the Chargers sucked. So in the playoffs, I oh, was like, for the you are a
3: bandwagon even then. I had to I needed a Cinderella. <laughs> I wasn't going to. Wait, wait, wait. The, the Dolphins were undefeated, and you needed a Cinderella? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I'm, if you're undefeated, you're not a Cinderella. Well,
0: if you know the Dolphins' history, I rooted for them before that.
3: <laughs> oh, of course. You um, you you rooted for them when they were in Saskatchewan. You go, you and the Dolphins go way back played before the, they even went south for the winter. Played the Cowboys and got <laughs> smoked the year before. <laughs> so I had a bet. I can remember I bet. my He wasn't my uncle, but I actually sent you his obituary. Uh-huh. And But he was super tight with our family. He used to pick me up after school because my parents worked. And he owned a glass store in the town where we lived. And we bet, and I don't even remember, was it Cowboys Colts? Uh, we bet. And if I lost, I had to come clean his gas or his glass station, or his glass shop for a week. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And, and who'd you have? At the Cowboys. And he had the Colts? Yeah. And they kicked a field goal at the end of the game and won. I don't remember, but I yeah. know I lost. And yeah. for the, and even I can remember, I was very, very young. But I remember getting off the bus, walking to my home, and his, his glass station, which is why he would pick me up sometimes, and... It was right down the street, and then I walked there, and he was the one who introduced me to OTB, because for most of those times, he'd pick me up, and we'd go into New York so he could place bets.
0: I know a lot about the first 10 Super Bowls, because my orthodontist was a huge sports fan, and he had a
3: book in his waiting room, and I I had... Wait, an orthodontist? Yeah. You could afford braces? Yep. I couldn't get braces, because we couldn't afford them. Yeah.
0: Suck. <laughs> And in the office, when you go into the normal doctor's office, there's just these lousy magazine, and it's boring. You don't want to be there, and you hate going to the doctor. But when you went to the orthodontist, he had that book there, The History of the First Ten Super Bowls. Some writer like yourself made a bunch of money cranking that out in retrospect. A few pictures, game story, fleshed out a little bit. A couple. Bu- so, yeah, I knew a lot of that stuff from the first ten, just sitting there at the orthodontist. orthodontist. Reading the history.
3: What would it be to have straight teeth? Dr.
0: Powers. Beautiful, Good for you. beautiful Casa de Oro, California. All right. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 12.80 the zone. Chiefs by a single point. That's the spread. We'll have more. What is trending? Coming up next. Stay with us.